0: Our opening words this morning I'm going to share with you a poem that I wrote that was about one of my own clutter clearing dilemmas it's called my journals I have been keeping journals for 24 years 93 of them spiral bound sketch pads with no lines I open one up and there is my 21 year old self naming her truth finding her voice. I open another, and my 39-year-old self is writing poetry about chaos and order. I want to preserve them, to line them up chronologically in a wooden cabinet with glass doors and a golden key. I turn the page and remember now that these are unedited journals. (laughs) That filling the space between strokes of brilliance are pages of dull drivel, fatigue, envy, a thousand recipes for self-improvement, and infinite incriminating items I would hate for my loved ones to discover. Putrid, unsightly, this is the fertilizer for my life, my relations, my relationships, my creations. I want to put my journals in the compost pile, bury them deep, and invite the worms to have their fill. These spiral sketchbooks hold all of me. The writer who wants to mine them for gems, the lazy one who can't be bothered, the old woman who wants to look back, the embarrassed one who wants to forget. Right now they sit in cardboard boxes in an old wooden garage surrounded by things we don't know how to keep and don't know how to let go. I worry that they are decomposing, even as I wait impatiently for them to turn back into soil. I'm so happy to be here with you today. Um, I'm going to be talking today about clearing clutter to make room for what matters. And the process of clutter clearing is important because Clutter in your home, head, heart, and schedule can get in the way of you fully engaging in your life and in the relationships and endeavors that are deeply important to you. It can drain your energy. It can distract you. It's the yeses you should have said no to, the messes you still have to go through, props for the life that's not you anymore, things you're keeping, but why you're not sure, Periodically, it's important to clear your clutter, sometimes because it's a dire situation if you keep on accumulating stuff and never get rid of anything. It can get unsafe and sometimes scary. But sometimes it's not a dire situation. In in, uh, Scott Russell Sanders' piece about the stuff of life, he talked about the simplicity he seeks as not the forced austerity of the poor, but the richness of a gathered and deliberate life, which comes from letting one's belongings and commitments be few in number and high in quality. So his is an image of increased well-being through clutter clearing, finding some simplicity and some peace in the midst of a complex and conflicted world. I believe we need some space and quiet to restore, regroup, think clearly, integrate our experiences, have the space to listen to others, and to listen to our own inner wisdom. And of course, that's part of what gatherings like this are about, finding that space. I first got interested in clutter back when I was in graduate school, studying to be a psychotherapist, and learning to look at the world through psychological eyes. And at the same time, I was making my living with a small house cleaning business. So I was behind the scenes in a lot of living spaces and workspaces. And I learned that I wasn't the only person struggling with too much to keep track of, Too many decisions and challenges with letting go of stuff. Lots of really interesting, kind, creative people were having that same problem. My time as a house cleaner was kind of a meditation on clutter. And it eventually grew into teaching classes, writing a book, weaving it into my psychotherapy practice, and becoming a clutter coach. 25 years have gone by and I've learned a lot more about why it's powerful and helpful to clear your clutter, in addition to allowing you to open up time, space, energy, and other resources for the things you care about most. It can allow you to bring some measure of closure and some measure of peace to unresolved chapters of your life. Taking a fresh look at what you've accumulated in your space and schedule can help you understand more about who you are and who you're becoming. There are clues in the clutter. And, and this is probably the most important one, it's an opportunity to practice self-compassion in areas where you feel vulnerable or flawed. If you've been avoiding confronting your clutter, it's totally understandable. I often hear people say, it's just stuff, I should be able to deal with it. But it's more than stuff. Your clutter represents past events, relationships, interests. It's also evidence of mistakes, confusion, distractions, and disappointments. To deal with it can be physically, mentally, and emotionally challenging. If you have an accumulation of clutter, it is not evidence that you are broken or unworthy. It's simply evidence that life is messy, it's challenging, it doesn't fit into tidy packages, and it's constantly changing. Clutter can be a funny topic because it's so humbling and it's so human. It's also the kind of mundane dilemma that makes its way into popular magazine articles that promise to fix it in 10 quick steps but the kind of clutter clearing that I'm talking about can actually be a profound process and even a transformational process. It turns out that how you name that process, how you relate to the clutter that you're clearing, how you approach the challenge, and how you treat yourself along the way all matter. So you could say, I'm clearing the clutter, or I'm trying not to be such a mess, or I'm doing this dreadful, horrible thing I hate doing. But somehow those just aren't inspiring titles for this endeavor that is possibly going to be asking a lot of you. You need a title that is inspiring enough to keep you going when things start to get uncomfortable, when your energy starts to flag. And that makes me think about a woman from my own congregation who told me about a time when she had a terrible weed problem in her garden, which she was avoiding. And, of course, the weeds kept growing. And she just, it just was completely overwhelming to her. And then she said, well, one day I, just, I woke up and I decided I'm just going to focus on revealing the beauty in my garden. And she said, I did the whole thing. That phrase just made it, reshape the whole thing for her. So if you're going to clear a big chunk of clutter or deal with some emotionally loaded clutter or do any clutter clearing that takes some sustained effort, you need an inspiring title and a meaningful context. So here are some possibilities of titles. Instead of clearing my clutter, it's I'm claiming my life. I'm making peace with my past. I'm making room for my loved ones, exercising old demons, inviting in spaciousness, revealing the beauty, packing light for new adventures, gathering my treasures, making room for what matters. And I'm just curious if any others come to mind. So think about it. If you have some clutter clearing to do, is there a title that could hold that for you in a meaningful way? When you choose a title that holds what matters to you, then every clutter clearing session can be an act of devotion to that vision. It can also be a powerful act to create a space that's dedicated to something you want to invite into your life. If you're clearing clutter, what are you making space for? And let's see. So someone's wanting to do some writing. Or creative endeavors of all kinds. Like, actually, the ritual of creating the space, as if you deserve to have it. What do you want there? What do you not want there? (laughs) it's not moving for some reason oh there we go isn't that a nice space (laughs) but in addition to you know creating dedicated spaces for particular endeavors maybe you're creating the space to go out into the world and do your world work whatever it is As you go through this process, it also matters how you relate to the clutter. Often we think of clutter as the enemy, the invader, the scary blob in the spare room. But it got there innocently enough. And often it's more cooperative than you think. You may not have to do battle with it. Maybe it's been waiting for you to send it on its way. In workshops, I often use journaling processes, and one of the processes is to have people write a letter to their clutter. Sometimes they're angry letters. Dear clutter, I am so fed up with you. Sometimes they're more apologetic. I hate to break this to you, clutter, but it's time. Then, after they've written the letter and read it over, I have them invite clutter to write back to them. Once in a while, the person gets a martyrous, manipulative, controlling response, and and then they know that they're going to have to be firm. (laughs) But more often, clutter expresses a kind willingness, and it turns out it's going to feel more possible than you thought. I want to share with you a poem that was written from from the perspective of a woman letting go of many things from her past, it's by Jennifer Meyer, and it's called Rummage Sale. Forgive me, Aunt Phyllis, for rejecting the cut glass dishes, the odd set you gathered piece by piece from 13 boxes of Lux Laundry Soap. Pardon me, egg beater, for preferring the whisk, and you, small ship in a bottle, for the diminutive size of your ocean. Please don't tell my mother, hideous lamp, that the light you provided was never enough. (laughs) Domestic deities, do not be angry that my counters are not white with flour. No one is sorrier than I, iron skillet, for the heavy longing for lightness directing my mortal hand. And my apologies to you above all forsaken dresses that sway from a rod between ladders behind me, clicking your plastic tongues at the girl you once made beautiful and the woman with a hard heart and softening body who stands in the driveway making change. Our objects hold all kinds of thoughts, feelings, hopes, dreams, losses, resentments. Sometimes it's helpful to make a ritual of letting go of emotionally loaded items that represent significant chapters of your life. One suggestion I have for people going through a clutter-clearing process is to have boxes or bins for sorting categories, and one of the categories I invite them to include is called emotional. And that's for the things that you could stare at for 45 minutes and not make a decision about. Don't do that. Just whip it into the emotional bin. Um, That way, as you're going through your stuff, you can make quick, efficient decisions. And if you come across something like that, there's a place for it to go. In the second half of your sorting session, when you're following through on those categories, delivering what needs to go into a different room, deciding where you're gonna donate something, filing what needs to be filed, uh, you can take a second look at the emotional stuff. And sometimes it's a little clearer, like, oh, I could let go of that, or I'm definitely keeping that. But often it's still confusing. And that's the stuff that you can gather together into an emotional box. Sometimes, it's, it's items that you'll need to do some processing about, um, maybe through writing, maybe through talking to someone. Um, but often they're related to unresolved transitions. So um, once you've decided to let go of something like that, ritualizing the letting go can help. And I wanted to just show you some images of that. So you might write the story that goes with the object. Burning rituals. Oh, and um, before I get to that one, I wanted to just say, with the journals that I told you about in that poem, uh, I did decide to let go of a chunk of journals. And I ideally, you know, I would have read every page of every journal but it would have taken the rest of my life. And I just didn't feel like I wanted to spend that time. So I tore one page randomly from every journal, and I read those. And then I had a little bonfire on a beach, and I burned those. And the rest I had professionally shredded. And what happened was I kind of stopped journaling for a little while, and then I took a journal therapy workshop for therapists, And it opened up this whole branch of my career, and I had this whole new relationship with journaling. And when you do a a very intentional letting go ritual with something like that, it often opens the way for a new energy to come in. Maybe it's a new version of the old energy. Maybe it's something completely different. Um, It's also helpful if you're Letting go of objects related to a loss to create some kind of art piece or shrine. This is a little Altoid mint box. Very portable. Not a whole storage shed full of random stuff. Quilt. This is a, a shadow box a woman created when her mother died, just taking a few objects, one photograph, gathering the energy, honoring the loss. All these grounded yet symbolic practices can help you make peace with the past and make room for what's emerging. If you're letting go of some items that you inherited from a loved one, sometimes it helps to write an unsent letter to them like. Here's an example. Dear Aunt Matilda, I'm so grateful to have had you in my life. There are a few treasures I've chosen to keep to represent you and your kindness. I will give them cherished places in my home. There are some others I'll be giving away or selling because they don't fit the needs of anyone in the family and we want them to have a loving home. We'll donate the pet supplies to the Humane Society, which I know you always supported. Any money we make selling things will go to the kids' college funds. Some things will be totally discarded, but I will release them with love and gratitude for the joy they brought you. Please know that the thing I'll never let go of is my love for you. And you can tell, even though Aunt Matilda has already died, you're talking to the Aunt Matilda inside and making peace with with yourself giving yourself permission to do what you need to do to make some room for your life. So it helps to have an inspiring title to dedicate your clutter clearing to something that matters to you. It helps to be mindful about how you interact with the stuff, and it helps to take a gentle approach to the whole process. Often when people approach clutter clearing, they bully themselves into it. They decide that what they really need is a harsh talking to or a swift kick in the pants. But it turns out that this method often backfires. It can make you rebel, go limp, or get really distracted. And that's because when we feel attacked, we go into, into our defensive postures, even if we're the ones doing the attacking. And that turns out to be not terribly helpful to any progress. So I recommend a gentle approach. Model yourself after the boss or teacher or mentor who got you to do your best work and feel good about yourself at the same time. Talk to yourself as if you were a dear friend who respects you and wants the best for you. When you're looking at love letters from a spouse who divorced you or all the projects you never completed, that's vulnerable territory. It can cause you to say terrible things to yourself Don't hit yourself when you're down. Don't squat on a cold basement floor for hours going through your most emotionally loaded clutter. Give yourself air and light and breaks and doable assignments. Celebrate even the little accomplishments. When we face off with our clutter, we are face to face with some harsh realities. The time is moving, that life is changing, That we may never be that size again. That our kids may not want to inherit everything we're planning to leave to them. And that it's just possible we won't live forever. That's profound territory. It can get you to, it can stir up some questions like, if I let go of that object or obligation or stance or belief, will I be okay? Will I still be me? Who am I anyway? You're asking a lot of yourself when you confront your clutter. So give yourself the support you need and practice being a kind support person to yourself, meeting yourself with compassion when you have to face your imperfections. When people come to clutter workshops, they often have this image that they're going to learn the magic formula, transform their home, get everything perfect, and then spray fixative that it's not life. Life is actually a dance between chaos and order. I've learned that when people can meet their own messiness, clumsiness, disorganization, mistakes with kindness instead of berating themselves, that makes everything more possible. It opens the way for deep level change and dealing with the objects becomes so much easier. And so I'm going to finish this talk now by leading you in one more song to a familiar tune. And this one is to the tune of Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And it's called Someday We May Be Perfect.